Normally we do this on Wednesday, but today's Thursday. This is episode, what, 12 or something like that? I, I think, think so. I think we're on number 12. Wow. That's pretty impressive. They haven't shut us down yet. And you know what? Tomorrow's a very special day. And you want to know how I know it's a very special day? Because I've got a golden C's candy bunny rabbit on my desk, which means Easter Sunday's a coming. Yeah, every year. She brings us like we massive a, quantities. We have a wonderful, wonderful servant at the church that blesses us with this big old treasure chest of C's candy. And this thing is, let's I, see here. Let's see. 10 ounces. You know what though? This is the only sad part about this. This is amazing. 10 ounces hollow milk chocolate. Could you imagine if this was solid milk chocolate? I think we'd both be in a diabetic coma right now. Truly. Truly. You it's know what not, I like about it's not hollow? On my, it's Easter. not on my carnivore diet. Although, yeah. I'll say, hey, listen, it's a rabbit. So There you go. You know what's great about a hollow Easter bunny? Huh. You, you can, can fill, fill it, it with ice cream. cream. Yeah. I know you've been talking about that oh, for years. Man. Every I'm, year we get these, you talk about filling yeah, it with ice cream. I haven't, I've, you know, I've filled the small one up before. Yeah. Luxurious. So it's Thursday. Tomorrow is good Friday. Oh, that's good for us. It is good for us. Whoa, got some funky noises happening around here. Wow, this is a noisy place. You know, it it's been a busy week. It's Grand Central. So we got we got robbed like 10 days ago. And we got robbed again and this morning. And we got robbed again this morning at, what, 12.45 in the morning? Yeah, something like that. And then you just got some good news. Those dudes got caught. Crime does not pay. Do one not the, steal from Jesus. One of the sergeants from the Escondido P- Police Department called us to let us know our thieves have been caught. They've been apprehended. Praise be to Jesus. And the yeah. imprecatory prayers have been answered. And you know, it's Hey, re- we're just praying for justice. On the spiritual level, I mean, these guys are going to go to jail. I know a lot of guys in prison ministry. You know, the book of Romans says that the the lawman, he does not bear the sword in vain. Yeah. Totally. Don't, don't don't mess with Jesus. If you if don't you steal do well, Jesus's guitar. If you do well, you will not be afraid of the judgment of the lawman. There you go. As long as you're keeping it between the curbs, you're doing the right thing. You don't have anything to worry about. Are you a Johnny Cash fan? I am. I just have that song going through my mind right now. When the man comes around. Oh man, it's a great song. Johnny was the man. The man in black. I mean, he had a lot of troubles. True, but he was a believer. Yeah, he's in heaven right now. He believes more than anybody right now. So, um, did you know that the man in black? Johnny Cash wrote a book called The Man in White about Paul the Apostle. And it really? is it is a great book. I'll Paul have to read it. He's so he's like an author. He wrote The Man in White. Wow. The well, Man he's good Black friends with uh, Billy Graham. He was. They're buds. Yep. Him and Billy are laughing now. When the man comes around. Wow. Man, the busy week. So we had Saturate San Diego. We handed out about 5,000 of those last Saturday. I know it's been crazy. It's been great. Our people. Have been we had just, such a good time doing that. I had my kids and uh, a whole bunch of people from our connect group had their kids. It was fun. Oh, door to door. And they thousands of these people things. were super receptive and happy. And you, so we might get some people coming here this weekend because of saturate San Diego. I sure hope so. My, my wife has been on fire for this thing. It's pretty cool, man. Yeah, it's been good. So they've been walking in this neighborhood and it's one of the. It's one of the nicer neighborhoods in Escondido. It's a hilly neighborhood. It's a hilly an neighborhood. One. Yeah. But it's all these, you know, big monstrous houses. And so um, maybe that's why it's, it's harder for a rich guy to get saved. You can't get a, a can't door get a thing on it. Yeah. I mean, it, it took forever. To I get mean, there. she's been praying for that neighborhood. Hopefully they'll come to Jesus. I sure hope so. Everybody needs Jesus. For her sake, I hope somebody gets saved in that neighborhood. And God's not willing that any should perish. Yeah, exactly. 
Exactly. So, yeah, we're praying for those people. So that's been really cool. And then I saw you sent me a picture the other day. You had we guys were at Panera. We had a group, our Bible study group met Wednesday night. All right. So you're discipling some guys there at Panera. We finished a book. We were going through a book called The Man God Uses by Henry Blackaby. I think the guys liked it. All right. Cool. They look like they're really studying. I I have to say, I had this experience last night that um, I think it might be the first time I've ever had this. And it made my heart sink just a little bit. So there's a guy in our group and we're going around because we finished the book and everybody's kind of sharing some of the things. There's about six of us there sharing some things that, you know, I was really blessed by this. And this one guy in our group, he goes, you know, I just was really blessed to, to get together with some older, wiser guys. And I, I looked around the table and every, we're kind of looking at each other like, who does this guy think he is? Older. I, I mean, I'll take wiser, but older and i said hey how how old are you and he goes i'm 32 and i went well there you go it's official you're 39 i'm counting down to 40 it's coming you're not to the hill but you're close when the man comes around man that's gracious you know maybe you should start picking out some you make some arrangements arrangements to buy a hawaiian shirt or what well that's coming up hawaiian shirt sunday we are doing hawaiian shirt sunday on memorial day weekend i can't wait I'm yep. going to pick the loudest and proudest shirt you've ever seen. Wear it. Wear it well, Mark yeah. Childers. There you go. And then I was pretty excited. The whole youth was here packing up gift, gift baskets for visiting kids yeah, and all that. Yep. that was We're good. ready. We're ready for Resurrection Sunday. I mean, some people call it Easter. Most people do, but we say Resurrection, Resurrection Sunday. Resurrection Sunday. Super Bowl Sunday for the church. It's game day, baby. Game day. Yeah. We want people to come to know Jesus. Bring it on. Those two a year guys are going to be showing up too. Somebody I met said those are called CEOs. Christmas and Easter only, CEOs. Wow. So last week's sermon, I was gone. Yeah, you were in Catalina. Yeah, I took some guys to Catalina bike riding. and, and Looked it like was, a great, great trip. It was. You know, I was thinking, Jesus, I climbed a hill for two hours. Riding a bike. Riding a bike. In one of those high gears? Low gear. Is it low, low, low gear? Low gear, is the yeah, low gear. One? You're grinding, you're grinding. You're okay, gear. so how's that work? High gear is the, the hard one? Yeah, that's when you're uh-huh. going fast. But I you, would have you, thought that like, would be like drop the, it into a lower gear, so you're you're spinning really see, fast. Yeah, I know but nothing. Not I know anywhere. nothing about yeah. mountain biking. Full like forty pounds of gear on your bike. Yeah, and and I was just thanking God. I'm Did like, you feel yeah, your, I can't. Oh yeah, my chest. I was yeah, my feel legs that are on thump fire. in the heart. All my legs are on fire, but you know, didn't have to walk it. Yeah, at good. all. And uh, like, but a two hour climb to the airport and you know that's, what? Well, I know that trip cause I've been there with you before, but not on a bike. And that, that's a trek. I could imagine being on a bike. That could be downhill. We did almost downhill. 70, downhill yeah, would be fun. Yeah. Downhill is fun. But almost 70 miles that week. And the wow. guys are, it's cool hanging out with Christian brothers, enjoying something. It was great. It looks like fun. Oh yeah. It was fun. It was, if a, only we could get more people on the boat. Like you only can take six people with bikes. You only take six people on, or six bikes on the boat. Yeah. Man, so we we got seven last year. We'll find so. a new place for you guys to go ride. Well, we're working on it. I was looking today. I'm excited. I love going out with the brothers, and we went. I went bike riding last night with some brothers. Awesome. Oh man, I was on fire again. It was fun. So hey, we got questions. We got some questions. Shoot, let's I, go. I love it. Number one, is it wrong, sinful to desire pleasure, power, happiness, fame, and wealth? And you addressed that in the sermon. So you listened to the message. You weren't here. You listened to it, bro. You were on. You know, I got told, well, you were in staff meeting. One of, our, one of our staff members said I was talking way too fast. It was. The, I had a lot to say. Well, and I, I did you have a Red Bull? No, but I did have a six-shot latte before the first service. You know what? The other day I had a headache. I had a four-shot latte. Hey, man, that is way better than ibuprofen. 
Yeah, great stuff, man. Get rid of that headache. I tell you what, that opened something up. So I talked about the disciples and that the disciples, when they first started following Jesus, they were seeking Jesus for, I had some alliteration, you may have noticed, power, uh-huh. prestige, pleasure, and one other P, possessions, wealth. Oh, there you go. There you go. So is it wrong or sinful to desire these things? Well, I think it's according to our human nature to desire these things doesn't necessarily necessarily mean that it's in line with God's nature for us to desire these yeah. things. So the first mm. thing that comes to my mind is uh, Paul wrote in First uh, Timothy chapter 6 that those who desire to be rich, they fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and waste or perdition. For, and a lot of people know this one, the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So that's the first verse that comes to my mind. Like, um, I think that we all by nature desire fame and fortune. And, you know, I think that's a part of our nature. Um, but it's a, it's a dangerous thing to pursue that desire because there's a lot of things attached to those things that are certainly not going to get you any closer to Jesus. Any thoughts on this, Mark? Well, I, I don't see in scripture where God's, uh, desiring to draw us into those things the his desires like he wants us to be holy yeah we can we can see that because mm-hmm. he's holy right yeah um he wants us to be righteous right but you got the thing he draws us and calls us to be humble uh forgiving all those things but it's interesting how we gravitate towards these things and they seem like they're um yeah, you know, I think you, you're on a good point there. That there, God has certain desires for us, and God who knows us best and who created us, he's going to know what things actually bring true joy and true satisfaction, and he knows these things are not going to bring that sort of stuff. Right. There, there's no, they're just, they're all about self. Yeah, that's for sure. They're all about self. And so, but if you look at all the things he actually does call us to, and they seem to be, is the word antithesis? Antithesis. Opposite. Mm-hmm. Reverse opposite. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they seem to be uh, totally uh, the other way from this, the things that he calls us to. So, and so, yeah, I think it is. I think it is wrong, especially when that yeah, that those things draw you away from the Lord. So, come up with a list of things that keep you out of church on Sunday sometime, and I bet they fit right in this four step plan. You know, I'm trying to find it. I, I'm having a hard time finding it, but C.S. Lewis in one of his books, he. He writes about how we are far too easily satisfied with the things of this world that don't ultimately bring anything of eternal substance or weight. And he basically just makes the point that, you know, we as humans, he he uses the illustration of a child making mud pies and how they can be so excited and satisfied with this trivial thing that ultimately has no value whatsoever. And he just makes the point that that we as human beings are so easily satisfied with things that are not God's ultimate best. So what God desires for us is far better than anything that we could ever desire for ourselves. And, you know, I also think of what Jesus said. It's recorded in three of the four Gospels when he says that he who desires to save his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake, the same same shall find it. So, you know, I think that there are a lot of people in the world at every time. This is, I don't think that this is a, a unique period in time, but at every time, including today, that are trying to find their life, quote unquote, doing the little air quote thing there, and uh, and they think they're going to find their life in the things I talked about this weekend. If I just have more 
fame or power, if I just have more possessions and wealth, then that's going to bring me satisfaction and joy. But we have the testimonies constantly. I mean, going all the way back to Ecclesiastes with Solomon, we have the testimonies of people who have tried to find fulfillment and joy and meaning and all those things. And, you know, how many times times do we hear of someone who's super wealthy and they're saying, you know, this hasn't satisfied. Right. I think a really good, you're looking, talking about the, you know, the, uh, these things. And a good thing to ask yourself is, um, is this bringing me pleasure or is this bringing God pleasure? Hmm. Is this bringing me power or is this giving more power over to God? Is this giving me happiness or is this something that make God happy? Um, is this making God more famous or is it making me more famous? Is this making God more wealthy, so to speak, or me more wealthy? And I think anybody who ever, if you go through the Bible and you look at anybody who ever got kind of in a bad situation with the Lord, and they weren't all bad people either. I mean, they're pretty pretty good guys, some of them. But it was always when they decided they were going to do what they wanted to do instead of what God wanted to do. And you can go down the list. I found it. You got it. C.S. Lewis, The Weight of Glory. C.S. Lewis writes, We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Man, I think that's such a good word. We are far too easily pleased by trifles that ultimately don't bring infinite joy and satisfaction when God is saying, Here, I have something so much better. Okay. So uh, Saul and Samuel. Yeah. Right? Uh, when he's wanting to not kill the sheep and uh, do just totally out of God's will. Book of First Samuel. Yeah. Uh, was he concerned with God being famous or him being famous? Hmm, that's a good point. You know, yeah. there you go. Was he concerned with his well-being and power? It, it was him. Uh, David, this is, this when is David made his bad choice. This is, this is a temptation that happens in the church, too, because, I mean, there's oh, certainly yeah. pastors who have have tried to uh, build their own little kingdom when in reality God's saying, no, I want you to be a part of building my kingdom. That's a, that is a temptation. It's a danger. This branding thing. Oh, you know? yeah. It's like, hey, do Preacher. I want to be famous or do I want Jesus to be more famous? Preachers and sneakers. Oh, gosh. I Let's can't not wait go to... there right now. Yeah, boy, that's, that's something. We'll get there. We'll get there. So I, I think it is wrong. It certainly can be. It can it definitely, especially when it uh, puts your wants and desires and needs over God. Yeah, I just can't get over that word of Paul. Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and a many far, harm, harmful, foolish and harmful lusts. I mean, the 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 path that that stuff leads down doesn't end well. Yeah, I know a lot of really wealthy people, uh-huh. but I know very few that handle it really well and used it for God's kingdom. There are some, though, man. There There's are some, some people, people that are amazing. Uh, yeah, they blow me away. And I'm yeah. like, that's why I don't have that, because I couldn't be trusted with that. Hey, that's a good point. You know, so cool. Um, okay, number two. How can I experience the joy Jesus offers when my life is in crisis or broken? Hmm. Wow. That's a heavy question. That's a heavy question. I think that one of the things that first comes to mind is that the joy that we find in Christ is an eternal joy. And we've talked about this before at the church where we can still have joy in the midst of, like this says, crisis and difficulty in life because our joy is is from another world. You know, it's an otherworldly joy. And, you know, Paul in Colossians, I believe it's chapter three, he says to set our minds on things above where Christ is, or he's seated on this throne in glory. It's so important for us to have a perspective that looks above the things that we're going through in this life. I mean, this world 
is I, I talk about it all the time on Sunday mornings. This world is filled with brokenness. It's filled with all the effects of sin. We see that in the form of cancer. We get prayer requests every single week from people who are fighting cancer. Uh, I mean, there's rarely a month that goes by that we're not ministering to someone in the hospital or we're not um, taking care of and comforting a family that's lost a loved one. And then that's not even taking into consideration the things that happen in this world because people are evil. So the malevolence that happens to people. I mean, there are so many people in our church who um, they've been abused in the past. There are people in the in the church right now who are, especially kids in the youth group, are being bullied by other people. So there's all kinds of horrible things. In the midst of that, I think it is so incredibly important that we are able to set our minds on things above and fix our hearts and our minds on Jesus and realize there is coming a day when we are with him in his kingdom where there is no more sorrow and death and sickness and suffering. I mean, I just say, read the end of the book. The end game. The end book is good. Yeah. There's some pretty uh, God wins. interesting things in there, but in between the lines of, of weird imagery, there are some incredible promises. I shouldn't say incredible because they are credible. They have plenty of credit. There are some use a good Christian word, some awesome, some radical Dude. promises. Totally radical. Yeah. So, I, I, so I think yeah. joy, my joy is found in the fact that Jesus is on the throne and in the end he wins and we have an optimistic vision of the future. And I always like to pull a problem apart a little bit yeah. and look at the practical side of it. And so like, why am I having this crisis or this broken experience? Uh -huh. And the answer is sin. Yeah, the world is broken. The world's broken. So, you know, like, okay, what do I do now? And like, take it, nothing gives me more satisfaction in life than kicking the devil in the teeth. And the way we do that in that situation is go out and do the opposite of what you really want to do is sit home and cry. Do the opposite. Kick the devil in the teeth and draw near to the Lord. Yeah. And go out and do something amazing for somebody else. Even if it's not in your heart, it's not in your strength, just hanging out there for Jesus and go serve somebody. And I'll tell you, nothing heals a heart quicker yeah. than going out and getting beyond that, even if you don't feel like it. it you yeah, have to we just see that. Do, do it in faith. We see that with uh, the prophet Elijah in 1 Kings. He got all depressed. And yeah. And the Lord, the Lord reminds him, hey, I got some work for you to do. Yeah. And uh, get out there and do that work. You know, in talking about crisis and brokenness, we just, and I'm sure you remember this because it was just like an hour ago, we just had a, a conversation with one of our favorite questioners who comes in here every Thursday oh, and has yeah. a list of questions for us. And um, we were talking about a family member of hers that, you know, just not walking with Jesus. And, and a lot of times it is crisis and brokenness and difficulty that drive people to seek for God. And this family member of this person who was talking to us, this person has zero crisis. They, they've got all kinds of money. They live in a beautiful place by the beach. They, their life is a good life, which is great. Good life is wonderful. Praise the Lord. They have a wonderful life, but there's nothing pressing in their life causing them to seek out for the Lord and find something greater than this life has to offer, which is that fullness of joy. So, you know, I think that, you know, we, we can sometimes try to escape brokenness. We can try to shield people in our lives from the brokenness of this world, which I totally get. I understand that I have four kids. I don't want my kids to go through difficulty and hardship, but a lot of times it's those challenging things of life that drive people to find Jesus and uh, bring them to the place where they realize their need for him. Yeah. I mean, you know, I also look at it like if I'm a, one of the devil's uh, persons of interest, Uh huh. like he, you know, read the screw tape letter sometime, man, Another that freaks people. Oh, book. man. 
Who yeah. was it that, well, we don't need to say names, Wait, but recently we, you recommended that book and they were like, I can't even get through this book. Yeah, they read like it. the first three pages. Like that book scared me. I never want to read that it's again. It's a good book, man. Thanks, it's not Pastor. something you read yeah. to your little kids. He's like, yeah, he's like, nope, not a bedtime story. Yeah. But you know, you become a person of interest. Yeah. And you know, hey, man, the devil thinks he's got a shot. I must be pretty special. You're on a list. Yeah. Wow. Boy, oh boy. Man, so... Yeah, so do some. I, th- I I would say do exactly the opposite of what you feel like doing, and go do something for somebody else. That'll help you. I'm that, with you. That is very healing. Go go saturate Escondido. Okay, I have the same question. I mean, I know what the answer is, but number three, why is Good Friday called Good Friday? Now, good for us, not so good for okay, Jesus. Okay, but here's the thing. I, I, we, we can't do a spoiler. Good Friday's tomorrow. We have a Good Friday service. People are going to come here. They got to, yeah. you need, if you want to know the answer to this, you need to be here at noon tomorrow for Good Friday services. We'll talk about why Good Friday is good when it's such a, a horrible situation on the hill outside of Jerusalem. Oh man. But it is good. All right. I'll give you a little peek. It's good because of what it brings. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. I scored. So twelve o'clock tomorrow, Good Friday. Yeah, we got the Thursday, best end of this April deal. Oh. or Friday, April nineteenth. We will be here. How do we have eternal joy in our daily lives? Is question number four. Focus on eternal things. We're talking about eternal joy again. Yeah, yeah. Fix your focus upon the Lord. Eternal joy comes from the eternal King Jesus, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the one who was and is and is to come. He gives joy. I got that joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. To stay? To stay. Wow. I'm so happy. (laughs) So very happy. Yes, indeed. Because I've got the love of Jesus in my heart. And I am a C-H. I am a C-H-R-I-S-T-I-A-N. Okay, moving on. All right. Yeah. uh, Eternal joy comes from the eternal Lord. Lord. Yeah. Yeah. So just focus on those things. Whatever's lovely. One of the fruits of the Spirit is joy. So... One of the evidences of God being in you by his Holy Spirit is joy. And and I think it's important to note, joy doesn't mean that we're just always uh, happy, that we, everything is just fluffy, like if you were at Disneyland perpetually, but it is that that staying consistency of knowing that you're going to be with the Lord forever that brings a a rest, it brings a peace, and that, that rest and that peace is, is great joy. And also know that you're not the one that generates that joy. Yeah. You're not, it's not a works thing. But I do think that we, we can increase our joy by gratitude. We can increase our joy by, as you already mentioned, Pastor Mark, serving other people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and that's one of the amazing things. I mean, when you, I can't tell you, we went out, passed out about 500 of the saturate things on Saturday. All the people who were with me, they looked like they were having the time of their lives. From the littlest kids, we had kids running up and hanging those on people's doors to all the adults, they, had, they were having the time of their life. Joy. Yeah, that's what I've heard from everybody. People. Absolutely. That's what I heard from everybody. They were super, super, uh, super excited to do it. And uh, really cool. Really cool. So, yeah, how do we have the eternal joy? Focus on eternal things. Right. And, uh, you know, where your heart is. Yeah, where your treasure is there, your heart will be yeah, also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. And uh, so, uh, okay. Well, God bless a new marriage after a failed marriage. Mm. How do you deal with the judgment of others for your failures as a husband in the past. Hmm. I mean, I'm not divorced, but I failed as a husband plenty of times. Man, fail all the time. Oh, epic fail. The, oh, list wow. gets, yeah. the list just gets longer and longer of my failures. 
You don't tell me. Is there I'm, a list? I'm grateful. Have I'm, you got a list? I don't know. I, the Bible says don't keep a record of wrongs. Love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Yeah, you, yeah. yeah. I hope there's no record being kept because uh, it could be really devastating. Thankfully, I have a gracious wife. She's very forgiving. There you go, man. So short memory is always good. That's one of the qualities I look oh, for man. in, in yeah. a wife. Yeah, yeah short-term memory is okay. good thing. Um, well, God bless a new marriage after a failed marriage. So this person might be dealing with the... How do you deal with the judgment of others for your failures as a husband in the past? Well, you know, a failed marriage, and obviously this is referring to divorce because we're talking about a new marriage in the process of this whole thing. I, I think one of the most important things is that from every failure that we have in life, whether it's a failed marriage or, you know, it's our failure on every level, if you really want to move forward in a, in a better way, then we need to learn from the failures that we've had and uh, figure out what were some of the things that we, what were the things that we did wrong that led to that failure? Uh, one of the dangers is in thinking it was everybody else's fault and not taking responsibility for your fault in the situation and then learning from that. Um, so I think that's one of the first things, learning from the areas in which you've failed and trying to walk in wisdom after that. Now, that said, God is gracious and he is forgiving and I think that he does forgive people for the sins that they have committed that have led to the failure of a marriage. Um, but this whole discussion of divorce and remarriage is a, a challenging discussion in the scripture. And there's a lot of differing opinions among Bible teachers and commentators as to is divorce and remarriage okay and allowable. And, uh, and I'm of the view as I read through passages like what Jesus speaks about in the gospel of Matthew and then what Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, is that God can bless a marriage that is a remarriage after someone who's been divorced. But I think it's really important for a person to recognize anytime there is a divorce, um, the scriptures say what God has joined together, let no man separate. And when there is a separation and a divorce, it is always a failure and it's a sin. It's not a sin that God can't forgive. It's not a place where his grace cannot be applied, but we need to recognize our failure in that and confess it to the Lord. And if you find yourself in a, a new marriage after a divorce, after the failure of a marriage, then you need to, at that point in time, apply yourself to walk out all the, the principles of scripture as it relates to loving your wife, honoring your husband, whatever that may be as you step into that relationship and doing it the right way. Um, there have been some people, I'm sure you've met some people, Mark, over the years that they had a marriage that failed before they were a Christian. And then, you know, years later they become a Christian and then there's a marriage that comes after they were a believer and they really are challenged by this whole thing of what they find in the scriptures about divorce and remarriage. And I've encouraged those people when I talk with them, hey, listen, you weren't a believer then. The Lord forgives you for the areas in which you, you sinned and you fell short. But just like with the woman who was brought to Jesus, taken in adultery in John's gospel chapter eight, Jesus said, neither do I condemn you, go and sin no more. So it's kind of like, hey, it's time to learn from the places that you were a failure before, confess those to the Lord, receive his, his grace and his forgiveness, and then go and sin no more. Yeah. And in, in marriage, man, it says a lot about what you're, um, where you are as a believer. Yeah. Like I know one of the things that drives me crazy is you have the couple and maybe there's one person in the marriage that really doesn't want to try huh. and they have the attitude and I've heard the attitude, well, like he's a Christian, so he can't divorce me mm. or she's a Christian. She can't divorce me. So they're, they're kind of taking advantage of the fact that this person is a person of faith. And they have to follow the principles of Scripture. Yeah, they have to follow this, the principles of Scripture while they're not. 
Yeah, they have and to follow the, it, but I'm exempt. Well, it's kind of like they're holding them hostage, and I'm like, well, no, no, you're not, you're not putting in the hard work here. Uh, come on. And so um, they will just go about in mediocrity, and uh, they both suffer ultimately. But boy, that makes me mad. I really, mm-hmm. I, 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 I get adamant. Let's just say when we're having a. Um, a session and we're talking with a couple about that and it, they get the suck it up cupcake and get with the program speech from me yeah because i believe god calls us to excellence and i believe he calls us to excellence in our marriage we yeah. need to be all in well in the second part of this question says how do you deal with the judgment of others for your failures in this in this context as a husband in the past i just want to say in this respect one of the best ways to deal with the judgment of other people is for you to be very humble admit your wrongs and the others who might be judging you, you know, I, the, the first thing that comes to my mind in this is, let's say that you are a husband and the marriage falls apart, there's a failure, there's a divorce. And if you've got kids, if your kids are upset about that, they have a right to be upset about that. Yeah. And, and, I, um, and dealing with that in humility and uh, coming before them and confessing your failures in that is probably the best way to deal with a lot of that. Yeah, I think it's a great testimony to say, yeah, man, I messed this up. Right, right. I was either, uh, either you weren't a Christian or I messed this up. I was totally in rebellion to God. Yeah. And I was being selfish and and I was wrong. Yeah. Do not do what I did. Mm -hmm. And that's, and it's hard for people when you're humble, it's very hard for people to go, oh, they usually don't pile on. Man, seriously, humility has an amazing way of reducing conflict when there's a failure if you want to increase the the uh, conflict, just be arrogant and proud. Yeah. I see this. Maybe you've experienced this. There's been many times when I'm I'm driving and I I fail as a good driver and maybe cut somebody off, not on purpose. Yep. And you cut someone off and maybe they they give you a signal that they're they're signaling their anger towards you. And I just do got like the, the shoulder shrug and just like, hey man, I'm sorry. Like a little bit of humility. Are they pointing you to God? Is that what they're doing? They're, one, way? one way, yeah, yeah. That's they're using was, a different yeah. finger, but one way. So, so, but I mean, like when you respond in humility to someone's aggression or their anger, uh, man, I found that that just deadens the whole situation right there. I actually ran into not physically, uh-huh. almost okay, but like the poster child for loud and proud. I, I don't know what this is. Uh, Dennis Rodman. Oh yeah, I you ran into Rodman this. the other day. Dennis Rodman was like in Newport or something. Yeah, well, he was in. We were in Dana Point. Oh, Dana Point. And he wasn't very nice to the parking person. Oh man. And I said to the parking person because I was very nice to the parking. I mean, I. It wasn't like I was special. I was happy. I was going to Catalina Island. Of course. Okay. The best part of this story is when you were telling us about Dennis Rodman, and we had a guy sitting at our table that's probably what nineteen, twenty years he old. He had no he goes, idea. He goes, "Who's Dennis Rodman?" It was like, "Oh goodness!" Flash in the pan. There you go. I'm so grateful for the wisdom of these older people that I'm making. Oh my oh, goodness. Ancient of days. But yep. the, I like I I knew it was Rodman. Yeah. And so I go, and the parking person. I went to talk to them afterwards. I go, "Hey, that was Rodman, huh?" They go, "Yep." And uh, I go, and they go, how'd you know? I go, well, it looked like Rodman, you know, this and that. He looked a little older, you know? And uh, they go, yeah, well, one way you can tell is how he talks to you. And I'm like, what do you mean? They go, last time I saw him was 10 years ago. He was nasty to me that day, and he was nasty to me today. I thought, wow, what oh, a thing bummer. to be known for, man. Bummer. Come on, Rodman. Yeah, you want to be known for being nice yeah, and good. happy and helping people. Agreed. So we, I should have invited him to church. True. So next time I meet Rodman, I'm inviting him to church. You got my seal of, yeah, guarantee. Next question. All right. Um, If you asked me if I was going to heaven, I would still say I hope so. I hope I have not come to Jesus for the wrong reasons. 
I hope I do not just say the right word, but not truly believe in my heart. How can we be sure our motives are pure and that we truly put all our trust in Jesus? Okay, Mark, have you ever had that experience when you're preaching something and when you get done, you realize after you're done, like, oh, you know what? I I think I forgot to say this. Um, So after the second, I know exactly where this question is coming from. Um, When I read it, I thought, I know why this person sent this question and there's a good reason for it. In the second service, I was making the point that, and I have this conversation with people pretty frequently. I would say maybe once or twice a month as I'm talking with people about faith and trying to drive home the point of the importance of faith and a relationship with God, I ask them a question. Hey, listen, if you died tonight, would you go to heaven? And a lot of times people say, I hope so. Well, I was recounting this in the message in the second service, but I didn't I didn't finish the, the way the conversation almost always goes. Every time I say, if, if you died tonight, do you think you'd go to heaven? They go, I hope so. I'm a pretty good person. And when a person says that, their hope for going to heaven is based on the fact that they're a pretty good person. But I, I knew as soon as I was done with the second service that I, I hadn't added that little, I'm a pretty okay. good person. So you were thinking of the Ray Comfort thing. Where you right, 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 right. The yeah, way yeah, the master. Okay, yeah. yeah, I use that thing pretty frequently. So so um, so I think this person, they heard me say that in the second service. You know, if you asked me if I was going to heaven, I would say, I hope so. Well, yeah, absolutely. I would say, I hope so too. But my hope is a different kind of hope than the person I'm talking to that says, I hope so because I'm a pretty good person. The person who says, I hope so because I'm a pretty good person, they are basing their hope and and very optimistic feeling and wishful thinking hope on the fact that they'll get into heaven because they've, they've done good. And we don't get into heaven because we've right. done well, good. Well, I think you used the illustration because I listened to it. Right. Even though I was in Catalina, I came back and I listened yeah. to it. The uh, you use the illustration. Well, that kind of hope is like I hope the Padres win the World Series. Yes, right. Yeah, and, and I like, got a lot of pushback on that one. I'm really? sure. Really? Yeah. Do you people really believe... think the Padres are going to win the World Series? I guess so. They just spent a whole bunch of money on two big time star they, players or something you know, like that. My official opinion. Yeah. Don't have a prayer. Oh boy. Well, I'll tell you. I made one glancing comment to the Padres, and you know our hope being hoping in vain, and I had like probably four or five people come up afterwards, and of course. A couple of them were wearing Padre hats. You know, I saw those are on sale at Costco. So, um, you know, you can tell Costco's very wise. They sell those at the beginning of the season. No, they don't sell them at the end. Yeah, because if you're going for like a dollar. I'm totally going to get in trouble on this one. That's okay. Padre fans, you can send an email to jason at ccsgo.org. Yeah, absolutely. So do you ever have when you're... you're, you're just bumping along, preaching a sermon, you know, maybe it's second service, third service, you know, uh-huh. through it. And all of a sudden, like an illustration or a scripture reference just comes to mind. Yeah. This by the Holy Spirit. Right. And then you do that and all then, the time and you're, you're doing it and like, like, well, okay, that was, you know, that, that was cool. I wonder why I said that. But anyway, you go down the, do the mm-hmm. whole deal. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, some person comes up to you yep. and goes, and it's like, that was not in the notes. Yeah. And I didn't. And it was speaking directly to that person. Right. Exactly. And then yeah, the next service, you totally blow it off and forget it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's okay. So, so preaching, point, preaching is live, brother. So number six, whoever sent this question, and you're absolutely right. Like, um, if I ask you, are you going to heaven? You'd say, I hope so. I would say, I hope so too. But my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but holy trust in Jesus' name. Great on song. Christ alone, cornerstone. Yep, there we there go. go. All right. So it's not built on my good works. All we are is really dust in the wind. No, oh, come no, on. No, sorry, okay. number seven. Uh, okay. I was just going Bill and Ted's. Okay, so uh, number seven, 
Pastor Miles. That's me. Yeah. He. So what I heard Pastor Miles say was that was as Jesus told Peter, on this rock I will build the church. You got to give these people grace. They're sending these with their thumbs. Yeah, I know. And I got big thumbs. I know. I am not mistaken. Jesus called Peter a stone, not a rock. And if I am not mistaken, Jesus is the rock. But in the context of the message Sunday about the reason the disciples followed Jesus, Peter was being lifted up to greater, page two, position than the other disciples by saying, on this rock, I will build the church. Okay, I think I know what's going on here. I I referenced uh, Matthew 16. Cephas? Cephas, Peter, Simon Bar-Jonah, Simon, son of Jonah. So Jesus is with his disciples in Caesarea Philippi, beautiful place in Israel. You remember that? The cliffs up in the northern part of Israel with the water coming out of the cliffs. Oh, that's a place like La Jolla. It's beautiful. Gorgeous, yeah. Yeah. But then there's also... Not Caesarea by the Sea, Caesarea Philippi. Oh, okay. The one with the big, huge cliff where there's the... um, With the trout pond. Yeah, it's beautiful. They got some big trout there. So Jesus is with his disciples, and he asks them, who do men say that I am? And they say, well, you're the prophet, you're Elijah, this and that. Who do, you, who do you say that I am? And Peter speaks up, the spokesman, the loudmouth. I identify with Peter. He says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And also I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So that's the passage of Scripture there in that passage. And there's there's varied interpretations on what that all means, but I think this question that's being asked here is, or it implies that Peter was being exalted above the other disciples. I wouldn't necessarily say that Peter was being exalted above the other disciples. And, and my view on that whole, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church— um, my view is this, because he says, you are Petros, which is Greek word for a stone or a, a small rock. Some some uh, Greek lexicons, which is a dictionary on We'll Greek, say a pebble. Yeah, we'll right. say a pebble, yeah. right. So he says, I say, you are Petros, a pebble. And on this Petra, which is like a cliff or right. a rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So, um, so it's pretty interesting. Uh, like 2005, I was with a couple of friends of mine, and we were in Rome, and we went to St. Peter's Basilica, Vatican City. And uh, we got behind the Swiss guards, which are totally cool. They look like they're uh, court jesters. They're wearing these yellow and red you know, outfits. And Did they have the Styrog machine guns? No, these guys have these big, huge like blades. They look like something out of The Wizard of Oz. You oh, know? wow. Oh, so oh, like, oh, 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 yeah, kind of like a Swiss. So we got, they're like Swiss ninjas. Swiss ninjas, kind of. But man, they got swinges. Like, they they got outfits that look like they could be working at hot dog on a stick. Is what oh, they look nice. Like. Yeah, pups on a pole guard. Go, go Google oh, Swiss guards oh, in Vatican gosh. City, and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. So anyway, we get beyond behind these guys, and we go into Vatican City, and we struck up this conversation with a couple of Catholic priests who were doing tours of Vatican City where people. And these two guys were from Chicago, these two uh, Catholic priests. So they were showing us, because we couldn't go on the tour because we didn't register in time. But they were kind of giving us the brief. And it co- probably cost money too, didn't it? No, it's totally free. Oh, okay. Right. You got to sign up like a month in advance. We didn't know that. So anyway, they're giving us the brief synopsis. And they're telling us that, you know, underneath Vatican City is the necropolis, the city of the dead. Right. So, you know, got all these catacombs. And underneath St. Peter's Basilica, the big, the big church there. At, is a um, Chick-fil-A. 
No, I'm sorry. It's not okay. there. Right. Uh, but underneath it is a tomb where they believe it is the tomb of Peter. And so the church, the Roman Catholic Church, has taken this extremely literally when Jesus said, on yeah. this rock, yeah. Peter, yeah. I will build my church. So they've built the church right on top of Peter. That's why it's called St. Peter's Basilica. Wow. Anyway, so I digress, as some people might say. Um, so yeah, Peter is not the rock that Jesus is talking about. I think that the Petra that Jesus says on this rock, I will build my church is the statement, the divinely inspired statement that Peter made. Jesus, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. That's the rock okay. long. That was the long way around. Now in that spot. Yeah. Caesarea Philippi. Up in the North. Up in the North. Yeah. Isn't that the place where as Jesus is delivering this address, there is a spot there to the back by the cliff. The Gates people, of hell. That are actually the Gehenna, I think it's called. Yeah. Uh, and they, they the kind of local legend was like that was the entrance to hell because it's this big cave that goes down. So and it he's a, using it as an illustration. There was a there's a whole bunch of pagan temples at okay. Caesarea Philippi. One of them was to the god Pan, and there's there's other yeah. you know, gods are to be in worship. Yeah. So there's all this pagan worship happening there. And you're right. I believe it was at the Temple of Pan. There was right. this cave that goes into. Yeah, we saw it. Yeah. So you got this big red cliff. I mean. This is such a great story because the pictures, you got to see it in your mind. It's hard to see it if you've never been there, but but you got to see it in your mind. There's this giant red rock cliff, and there's all these pagan temples with a cave going into the, the red rock cliff there. And that cave, they called it the gates of hell, if I'm not mistaken. Right. And so when Jesus says, you know, on this rock, Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. I will build my church. The church is going to be above all these pagan worship things and the gates of hell, the, the pagan things of this world are not going to overcome. Right, and so many times Christians look at that statement as a defensive statement. Right. And it is an offensive statement. It's basically saying, look, the gospel is the gate. It'll knock the gates of hell down. Okay, my good friend David Guzik has a very interesting perspective on this, and I like it. Ooh, hang on a second. One perspective from the Guzmeister. The Guzmeister. I want to hear from the the Guzmeister. I heard a new one recently, the Guzmeister. I like the Guzmeister. I like the Guzmeister. I know he's not German, but he's the Guzmeister. We're going on the Guz Cruise, we're calling it. The Guz Cruise? Oh, man, nice. The Guzik Cruise. Anyway, so uh, Guzik's view on this, and this is really an astute observation um, he's kind of an astute dude. He really is. Smart guy. Uh, and he's funny, too. Good guy to hang around with. Hey, but looks aren't everything. He makes the point that um, it was in the city gates in ancient times that the elders of the city would gather together for you know planning and all kinds of different things. And so when, when we read the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. He was talking concept. about the homeowners association. Not quite, but it's okay, kind of, anyway, it, yeah, it's yeah. more along the lines of the plans and the purposes of the enemy and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. So right. it's not like the church is storming the gates of hell. That's not really the picture, but yeah, and it, interesting stuff. We have another question. Yeah. Okay. All right. We we explain that one. All right. Now here we go. Eight. Ooh, I like this one. How do you know when the master has need of your donkey? Because <laughs> it was Palm Sunday last week. Yeah. And you were talking about how the uh, two disciples went into the village. And, and the, the, you the donkey find, and the colt. You will find a donkey and it's colt tied up there. And we're not even going to go in the King James go thing take of it. this. No, no, no. You go know, take it. And if anyone asks you, what, what are you doing? Say, the master has need of it. Yeah. And, you know, we used to, we used to when we were young Christians, we would hang out in Panikin. That was before Starbucks. Panikin? Panikin is a coffee shop in La Jolla. Oh, okay. And that's, right. that's where we lived. And so some nights, you know, we when it wasn't like a... Because you went to Bible study like 20 times a week, it seemed. I mean, we were okay. always at a Bible study back then. But, uh, you know, on an off night when we're all hanging out, 
uh, we would have King James night some night. Ah. And you were only allowed to talk in King James. It's like talk like a pirate day. Yeah, thus saith the Lord. Yeah, so we would just talk in King James. Uh, per adventure. Per, I love per adventure. Per adventure is a good word. And then, uh, yeah, we would do that. And then have you ever had anybody come and give you a prophecy about you? I have had some. The people. Lord okay. told me to tell you, and it's always in King James. Oh. Old King James. That's like when someone comes and says, the Lord told me that I'm supposed to wash your feet. You ever read that one? That ain't happening, bro. Anyways, uh, how do you know when the master <laughs> has need of your donkey? I'm not 100% sure I, how to answer this. I think the Lord, you know, he has given us all the things that we have. Everything I have is his. I guess so I think the spirit of the it. question is, is like, how do you know when the Lord's calling you to share something with other people? Just to give it up freely and just oh, share, share it oh. with other people. Like... You know, I, Jesus has some challenging words on that. Yeah, because I like I I have seen this like in the last six years I've been at this church we're very much on connection, and so sharing our house with more people, sharing our mm, boat with mm-hmm. more people when we had a boat, um, bringing more people into our lives and using our stuff. And I'll just say this: um, I really I care a lot less about what it costs to maintain and take care of all the stuff we have is I'm bringing that more into the Lord's service. And so uh, I think it's good to do that. Yeah. You know, I, we don't want to hold on to our stuff too tightly. The verse that came to my mind is what Jesus says. um, It's Luke chapter six, verse 30, give to everyone who asks of you and from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. That's challenging. Um, But I think that we like a guy borrows your torque wrench. I want that thing back. I don't want to buy another one. Yeah, I think we should not have a super tight grip on our things because uh, every good and perfect gift comes from the Lord. Right. It's his. We're good stewards. We're to be good stewards of those things, but um, they're ultimately the Lord's things. That's why when someone broke in and stole our microphones, it's like, man, Lord, those are your microphones, not our microphones. Yeah. And so the Lord judged those people and they got arrested today. It's awesome. Yeah, don't take Jesus's microphone. Nope, don't no, take the mics. Okay, no, very important thing. We so use that's good. those to praise God and to preach the gospel. If you steal those things, man, oh no, no, not a good thing. Right. Okay. So, uh, number nine: How do I spiritually determine how to make the right decisions and have right responses? Uh, okay. How do I do? Oh, so I think what they mean. Yeah. If I was understanding the question, is you know we make responses to people uh-huh and then we there's some that we do instantly and then there's some things that are like decisions where we really mull things over and so i would say in the very first part of it um we know out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks right we're told to guard the heart with all diligence because it's the wellspring of life and so um i had a person asking me actually about this the other day they gave me a call actually that's interesting not the same person um because he wanted to know, like, how do I have the right reaction to things and how do I make the right decision? And I just encouraged this person. I said, you know, you leave the you need to, like, leave the house like a secret agent, like an expectation that God's going to do something and pray for your interactions with people, what you're going to be doing that day. But just ha- kind of have that on your heart and to be thinking spiritually, because when we're thinking spiritually about things, when we get into a situation we typically make a better eternal decision than if we're not thinking spiritually about things. So I think preparing your heart is a big thing. Yeah, I'd say this goes back a little bit to what we were talking about at the very beginning about setting your mind on things above. Yeah, there you go. I I find that if I don't ready myself at the beginning of the day, 
through prayer and spending some time with the Lord, um, I'm not prepared to respond to people in the right way. I'm not prepared to make good and right decisions. So, you know, beginning your day with the Lord is, I, I personally think it's a really important um, discipline and habit to develop in your life so that you are ready. I, maybe you've experienced this before. I certainly have um, where, you know, I, I didn't have time to spend time with the Lord in the morning, maybe woke up late and I had to get going. SpongeBob grumpy pants. Right. And then things are just not going real well throughout the day. Things are kind of, I'm not responding well. Maybe I'm impatient. Maybe I'm, you know, whatever it may be, irritable. And then, you know, you get to the end of the day and I open up the passage of scripture where I would have been reading in the morning if I had some time. And, and it would like have been helpful. The, it's like the exact answer yep. to the problem that I face throughout the day. So I, I think orienting your day the right way in the morning with the Lord through prayer and through the scriptures is really important. But on the front half of this question, how do I spiritually determine how to make right decisions? I don't know that you can make right decisions apart from the wisdom of God, from the scriptures, from the indwelling Holy Spirit within us. He really enables us to make wise and good decisions. So I, I mean, I'm one who's going to be quick to confess. I lack wisdom. And James chapter one says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. So I'm just like, Lord, I need your wisdom to make right decisions. I mean, certainly there are people who are making, they're making decisions all the time without the Lord. But I find that, man, when I'm when I'm seeking the Lord and His wisdom and His His direction, my decisions are a lot better. Okay, First Kings. Solomon, yes, has the dream, the exchange oh, yeah, with yeah, the yeah. Lord, right? And the Lord basically gives him the he says, spiritual, what do you want? yeah, spiritual lotto ticket. Mm. You can have whatever you want, and. Solomon rightly this is young Solomon young Solomon yeah asked gives the best answer ever yeah the Lord thought so too and you know give me wisdom so that I can take care of your stuff right your people and that was a great answer I mean there was no better answer than that and obviously the Lord agreed because the Lord's like man you did he went down the list of things that Solomon could have asked for I think it's in Chronicles too right um because they always repeat a little bit, but the you know you didn't ask for long life, you didn't ask for riches, um, you know, a jump shot, whatever. He he says he asked for that, so I'm going to give you all these things. And it's like I think, man, think of like First what, Kings four twenty nine says, yeah. and God gave Solomon wisdom and exceedingly great understanding and largeness of heart like the sand of the seashore. Thus Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the men of the East and all of the wisdom of Egypt, for he was wiser than all men. That came from God. Wow. But I mean, like he, his head was in the right place, right? He was he prepared. He spoke 3,000 proverbs and his songs were 1,005. He's a pretty cool guy. He had some big, he had some top hits. And then he kind of went downhill. Well, you wisdom's know. not everything. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So I think having your, having that, the right answer to the question, mm -hmm. you know, so to speak, like that Solomon, like he's one I definitely, I think of when I'm like, oh, that guy's heart was prepared for that meeting with the Lord. And like, um, let's I, see. I love James, his bit on wisdom, because he talks about, you know, if anyone lacks wisdom in James one, but then James three, he says in verse 13, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. 
This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure and then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. That's a good word mm. right there. Yeah, I dig it. I dig it. I think another way to really have the, the right... Um, decisions and right responses too is is i uh, like when we do an event here yeah we do an autopsy or port post-mortem right we, we mm. go and we go quincy and we look at like what went wrong with this right yeah and then we go back to okay well how can we make this right next time and i think it's really important to look at your decisions the ones that go bad and go okay what just simply what was i thinking about was i tired was i cranky had i read my bible boy this went bad i didn't seek the lord at all on this so um our friend Randy Broberg, you know Randy. The scholar. The scholar. Does he listen to us? No, probably not. But anyway, Randy, if you're listening, we love you. Randy Broberg has a great little bit on wisdom and knowledge. Really? He says, knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is knowing not to put it in the fruit salad. Ooh. That's deep. And it's practical. It is. Wisdom is knowing what to do with what you know. Yeah. There's a lot of people who know a lot of things, but they don't apply their knowledge in wisdom. Man, I'd agree with that. Yeah. hundred percent. But like what you're talking about with looking at your past things and deconstructing them and trying to figure out what went wrong, what went good, how to do it better. That's wisdom. When you look back and you learn from your mistakes and failures, we talked about that earlier about the whole issue with marriage. Wisdom is when you're able to learn from your mistakes. And you know, what's even wiser than the wisdom of learning from your mistakes is learning from the mistakes of others so that you never have to make those. Well, mistakes. they don't cost as much. That's for sure. My youngest daughter learned that. Yeah. She watched my middle son. It's like, <laughs> I ain't going to do it that way. No, I am definitely not going to do but that. You know we used what? to watch that. That's a your, younger kid. Your thing. middle son made it really easy on her. He's amazing. Yeah. It's, he prepared the way like uh, John the Baptist preparing the way for Jesus. Yeah. I'm here to prepare you the way. Yeah. It, yeah. He always had a different way of doing Make things. Make straight the path. Oh, wow. It's like, man, whatever I do, I'm just not going to do what he's doing and I'm going to be fine. Well, is that it for questions? I, that's it for questions. Okay. I mean, you know. It's almost Friday, but Sundays are coming. Well, these people better be there. I mean, they're going to miss something amazing if they don't. We should have this posted online pretty soon. If you're listening to this before Friday, April 19th at noon, we have Good Friday services here at noon on Friday, April 19th. We have Easter Sunday services here on Sunday morning at 8, 9.30, It's going to be awesome. So you need to show up. Right. And not be lame. Yep. And so what I want to do is now is it's we'll know Easter's. who's listening. Uh-huh. So I want you, whoever's listening, they can come up to me and go, Pastor Mark, what? I'm not being lame. I'm and you listened and you listened to the very end of the podcast. If exactly. You, you stuck it out. You're man. awesome. Oh, You're gosh. Awesome. You, we're rolling and, the credits. And if that's you, go onto iTunes or Spotify or Google Play and give us a five-star rating. No four-star ratings. No three-star ratings. Five-star ratings only. If you if you can only manage a three or a four-star, don't, don't even do waste it. Yet. Don't, don't waste do it. it. No. We only want no. five-star ratings. Yeah. And, and give us a shout out and tell us how awesome the questions podcast is just affirmations. Is that we have, we're we have low self-esteem, the low self-esteem. Yeah. Not so yeah. much. Yeah. No, no, we really don't. <laughs> <laughs> if my wife heard me say that she would, she would laugh out loud. Protest. She'd probably yeah, give she us two totally stars. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. 
Yeah. Does yeah. your wife listen to the podcast? She listened to the one. Yeah. She, I, I said that I talked about you on the podcast and she goes, what podcast? That's one said, way to get people. Come on. Come on. Oh. It made my heart hurt. But she listened to it. My wife listens every week. We sit down together and listen to it. It's a good woman. And then she, she shakes her head, man. And she goes, you're going to get yourself into trouble. She's Mark like, Jillers. I cannot believe. Don't ever say that again. Oh, uh, uh, I don't need to. I can't say it again. I already said it once. I got plenty of new things to say. Oh, man. Well, our good friend Dorothy, who comes in here on Thursdays and asks us questions, she said today that, that our podcast is like when she gets to sit at the table with us and, and ask questions. She likes it. So it's good. Cool. Well, hey. All right. There we right. go. God bless. We'll see you on Easter. Adios. Peace out.